Hello and welcome to Things I Wish Someone Told Me About God with Eric Green, author, producer, songwriter, recording artist, and senior pastor of the Father's House in Eugene, Oregon. I'm your host, Cody Willis, and I'll be facilitating this podcast and interviewing Pastor Eric on a variety of topics pertaining to our walk with God, the ministry of the gospel, and the practical outworking of our lives in Jesus Christ. So, thank you for joining us for a lively discussion that we hope challenges and inspires you to think more deeply and biblically about your relationship with God and men. Most importantly, Pastor Eric believes we should all be learning more and more about our God because he has a beautiful purpose and a plan for you. In today's episode, the cross is not the end of anything, it's the beginning of everything, part three. I'm here with Pastor Eric Green of the Father's House in Eugene, Oregon. And Pastor, today we're talking about entering into grace. But first, I want to talk about the danger of falling back or clinging to the law. Paul says in his letter to the church in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? There's a lot to unpack there, Pastor, but... I'm hoping we can start right in the first verse where Paul says, who has bewitched you? That word bewitched, that's, that's, that's sort of an alarming word, isn't it? It is. Um, I define witchcraft this way. Uh, witchcraft is the use of spiritual means to affect natural phenomena. So when Paul is asking the Galatians who has bewitched them, what he's asking is, what spirit have you given place other than the Holy Spirit? And what spirit are you listening to as it pertains to spiritual things? If it's not the Holy Spirit, if there's another spirit in control, another spirit um, controlling the narrative, then that is, by definition, witchcraft. And that is a very serious charge for Paul to bring as it pertains to the Galatian church, a charge that we should pay attention to even and especially today. So Paul continues his admonishment in Galatians chapter 5, and it says in verses 3 through 4, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Wow, Pastor, when I read those words... uh, I guess fear is, is, is the first word that comes to mind. Can you just talk about the seriousness, the weight of these words, and what it means, what it looks like to be severed from Christ, to fall away from grace? So often when that uh, term fallen from grace is used, it's, it's used poorly. Uh, we look at it as someone who um, had a 
uh, a position of favor, uh, uh, things going well for them, uh, and they conducted themselves in a way where that position was taken away from them, that there was loss, and we say, well, they've fallen from grace. But biblically speaking, Paul is not speaking about that at all. He's talking about us turning away from the fact that we're saved by grace through faith and back to trying to please God by works of the law, by our own goodness, by our own adherence to rules and regulations, which was never God's heart in giving his people the law to begin with. But that's our propensity to take the things that God has given us. And if we don't offer them back to him in faith, then we will interpret them according to our own temperament, our own leanings. And that's what was happening in the, in the young church where Jesus had been portrayed to them as the one who fulfilled the law and therefore opened a new door for them to walk through. But it was a determination of of so many in the early church to turn back to the law of Moses. And while the law of Moses was good, because everything that comes down from God is good, it was temporary. It was not permanent, because if we had been saved through the law, then Christ would have not had to die. But the focus needs to always remain on Jesus Christ and the freedom that we have on him. And for us to not turn back to anything of a past system, of a system that has been fulfilled and completed, and to step into the fullness of the life that God has for us in Jesus Christ. That was and always will be a trap that we are going to have to be very, very uh, wise and very, very um, diligent to avoid. So, Pastor, just as it was the determination of the early church, it, it would seem to me that it's the determination of so many to this very day. So I'm hoping you can just talk about our obsession with law, our obsession with the law. What is it about the human nature that is so drawn to this? Cody, I believe that every important thing that God is saying to you and me has to do with what's in front of us. So therefore, there's always going to be the temptation for us to turn back to what's behind us. But God's expectation is for you and me to grow in grace. And that calls for a focus on what God has done for us according to the grace shown to us in Jesus Christ, not according to our adherence to any laws or obedience to anything that was set before us, but obedience to God in the spirit. That is what the church has been given, the gift that we've been given, the gift that we are called to grow into, an understanding of God's goodness given to us and the grace that is ours in his son, Jesus Christ. No matter how hard we try, we are never going to please a holy God with any effort, even the most sincere effort, to obey an external standard. But God has given us the Holy Spirit, and he himself is the standard of God. He's the only one who can equip us to live in a way that is pleasing to God. So therefore, everything that God is interested in as it pertains to you and me is ahead of us. It's not behind us. It's not to the left or to the right. It is in front of us. We are the only people who can rightly say the best is ahead of us, and that best is ours through grace, not through the law. And it is rightly said, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I don't know about anyone else, Cody, but I choose grace and truth over the law every time. Pastor, Paul mentions in Romans 2, verse 14, the Gentiles being a law unto themselves. If we insist on clinging to the law, are we in danger of of just creating a law unto 
ourselves, and is God going to hold us accountable to that? Not only is God going to hold us accountable, but if we cling to the law or legalism in any sense, then we lose the benefits of grace. And the benefits of grace is something that we cannot afford to lose because, once again, we are saved by grace through faith. Grace comes from God. Faith is our rightful response for what comes from God. But it's initiated by God's grace. He's reaching out to those of us, and I'm speaking of all of us, who are unworthy. And by his grace and by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he's made us worthy. So when we turn back to law, we establish a standard that no one can meet first. And secondly, whatever measure we meet out will be measured by that same standard. The Bible makes it clear none of us meets God's standard. So why would we put ourselves and anyone else in that place? Now, when the scripture talks about us becoming a law unto ourselves, it works like this. Let's say, Cody, you had a lamb and I had a guest that came from out of town and we wanted to have lamb for dinner. I came, I took the lamb out of your yard, unbeknownst to you, and I barbecued that lamb and served it to my guests. I didn't use my lamb, but I used yours. And I used yours without your permission. When you discovered that I did that, you rightly said, that's wrong. Well, in saying that, you have established a law. And not only am I accountable to the law you established, but now you are. And the Bible makes it clear, whatever measure I use against you will also be used against me. And who among us has not violated a law that we ourselves established? In other words, who among us has not done wrong when we knew what we were doing was wrong? But thank God for grace. And we turn to the law, we're going to end up losing every time. But when we turn to grace, our shortcomings and the shortcomings of those around us are covered by the blood of the Lamb. That's the benefit of walking, not according to law, but according to grace through faith. And God has given us another law, the perfect law of liberty that Paul talks about in Romans 8. And that law sets us free from the dictates and all of the disadvantages, the loss that is ours according to the law of Moses, and opens us up to all the benefits of the perfect law of liberty that is ours in Jesus Christ. Pastor, it would seem that in our human nature, when we insist on the law, we inherently make a whole lot of noise about the sliver in our brother's eye while ignoring the log in our own. A couple of things that I wish someone would, told, would have told me about God. You can't give what you don't have. That's something that I've heard you say often, Pastor. And what I realize is, the flip side of that is, I am going to give what I do have. Isn't that right? That is right. And if I, I take it upon myself, uh, any kind of self-righteousness, any kind of position of superiority, um, uh, being right, so to speak, um, then I put myself in a position of, uh, of being a judge. I, I, I put myself in a position of, uh, of holding others to a legal standard, which at the end of the day, the danger of that at the end of the day, I myself have fallen short of the legal standard. Um, that's true of all of us. We've all fallen short of, uh, of that which is set before us because each and every one of us at one point in our life has done exactly the opposite of what we knew was right to do. That's common among all of us. And uh, yeah, there is a propensity uh, in, in, in God's people, uh, if we're not careful, um, to uh, erect a standard for people who don't even know God. 
um, because of, of of a sense that that, that uh, I call it a legalistic sense. Um, and we're holding things before people, holding standards before people that they cannot possibly reach because they do not yet have faith. And when it is our job not to hold up some external standard for people to follow, but to show them an example of what it is to follow God uh, right before their eyes, to show them that example in our lives. And if we do that, and if we do that humbly, if we do that lovingly, it is the best way to be a witness to Jesus Christ who saved us, not through our adherence to the law, but by the strength of faith that has come to us by grace. I mentioned two things that I wish someone had told me about God. The second is what's in you will come out when you get squeezed. That's another thing I've heard you say often, Pastor. And one thing I've had to learn about myself is that I have a tendency to be hypercritical. But it took me a while to realize that what I was really doing is being hypercritical of myself, which is then what I was projecting out on to other people. And so I've come to the realization that I need to draw upon the grace of God often so that when people come to me or when I'm in a situation of pressure or stress, what's going to come out is not criticism but grace. Can you just talk about that concept, Pastor? Yes, Jesus says, he who is forgiven much loves much. So once we've received God's forgiveness, for instance, uh, then we have the resource uh, from which to forgive others. God never expects me to give what he is not first given to me. So back to what you pointed out before, uh, something that I say often is you can't give what you don't have. When we pay attention to what God has given us by grace, then we ourselves will be gracious people. Uh, and that's what God is looking for, I think, both in you and me. Not that we set rules and laws and do this and don't do that and don't do the other before people. But what we set before them is an example of a forgiven saint uh, who never loses sight of the fact that it's his worthiness and not mine that matters. If you're listening to us today, you may have noticed that we're spending a lot of time in Paul's letters to the churches because all throughout his letters to the churches, he goes after this very issue of law and grace. And with that, Pastor, it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in, in verse 11, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same... I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Pastor, I want to go after something that I believe is, is, is prevalent in the day amongst Christians, and that is this affection, this desire for that which has nothing to do with God whatsoever. Can you just talk about the danger of that? When I hear that question, it, it makes me it, it makes me aware of the fact that we tend to look so much at the world and away from the kingdom. I, I believe everything that has to do with uh, the, the witness um, and our testimony uh, that we share with the world has to do with where our focus is. If my focus is on Jesus, then my witness will be one of grace 
and my testimony will will be one of uh, of love and kindness and 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 uh, openness uh, to others. If if I'm focusing on the world and I'm taking what God is saying to me and then then immediately taking and uh, that and looking at the world and seeing all the shortcomings and of man, all the sins of man, then I'll become cynical about them while placing myself on a, in a place of superiority. We always have to be careful there because we're not better than anyone else. It's just that the God that we serve is better than anyone else's God. Pastor, I'd like to wrap up our conversation in Romans 8, which I believe so beautifully really settles this very issue of our conversation today. It says, starting in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of of sin and death. That's a bold statement, Pastor, to refer to the law of Moses as a law of sin and death, isn't it? It is. Uh, and I, I believe that it, it is, Paul's understanding is rooted in the fact that the law was not sufficient for God's eternal redemptive purpose. We always have to be careful of the tendency to treat temporal, seasonal things as if they are permanent, eternal things. The law, is it spiritual? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Is it, though, <laughs> the law of sin and death? Yes. Why? Because what the law did was expose our sin, which leads to death. And if we got left there, then there is no way for us to reach and commune with and be family to a holy God whose standard is perfection. And so the law was never the end game. Therefore, we are never to turn back to the law or legalism uh, in, in, in any way, in any sense that we might think pleases God or completes us because it leaves us very incomplete. Uh, without the law, there's no transgression. But when the law came came in, our transgressions were made clear. Thank God he did not leave us there. So when we focus once again on the world and the shortcomings of the world, then yes, we'll have a legalistic opinion and outlook on things. But when we focus on Jesus Christ and the grace that is ours through him, the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, we realize that we were of the world until God came and saved us. We were under the curse of the law until the Lord sent his son who died for us and paid the punishment and, and suffered the punishment that I deserved for my law breaking. And I'm so glad that the Lord did that for me through Jesus Christ, because there's no other way to please God. And we certainly can't please him by obedience to the law. So pastor to that point and, and back to the topic of our conversation, that is the cross, not being the end of anything, but the beginning of everything isn't it true that Jesus didn't abolish the law? He didn't end the law, but he fulfilled it? That's absolutely true. Um, everything God says is eternal. And anytime we break the law, where God has, has made himself clear to us and we go in a different direction, you know, that is a deal breaker. And so the deal was broken between us and God when Adam sinned, because we were all in Adam and Eve's loins, and so we all were, were just as, as um, to, much to blame for that sin as he was. 
And I, I, we proved that, but once again, by realizing that there were times when we've known what was right to do, and we've done exactly the opposite. So what Adam and Eve did in the garden, I would have done. And if you're honest, if you're listening to me, if you're honest, you would have done the same thing. So the Lord uh, saw that, and there always was the plan of redemption. God has always had a plan that did not end with the law. So Jesus fulfilled the law in that he took upon himself the responsibility to live in obedience to the law, and at the same time, he took upon himself the burden of my disobedience as it pertained to the law. And therefore, he fulfilled all of God's requirements by living himself a holy life and then by taking upon himself my unholiness. And he paid the price for that on the cross. So Jesus didn't abolish the law. Jesus lived according to the law perfectly and fulfilled it. It was all fulfilled in him. Everything that God was looking for as it pertained to the law, Jesus did. And so the law then was closed off because it's already been done. Anytime we go back to trying to please God through the law, we're trying to do what Jesus already did. And guess what? None of us are sufficient for that. So Jesus did what we can't do, and he opened a door that we can't open. But what we can do is come to him according to the grace that's given to us and the faith that we have when we say, yes, Lord, I believe you. I receive the benefits and the blessings of your sacrifice. So back to Romans 8, Pastor, it says in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And as I read earlier in verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Something that you've taught me over the years, Pastor, is to pay attention to life. What does it look like as a Christian in this walk? How do we pay attention to life and avoid falling into that carnally-minded trap, which is death? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Um, I, I believe that is the entirety of the effort that you and I have to put out uh, if we're going to live this life well, of keeping our mind stayed on him. It is rightly noted in the prophets that you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, for he trusts in you. And that peace is not the absence of difficulty or conflict, but that peace is the presence and the richness of relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of life's conflicts. Uh, and so the Lord has called us to a place that we can only get to and remain when our focus is on him. If there's anything that I would say to, to anyone who's listening to me is, is when we go back to the very first passage that you read, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? We get bewitched when we get our eyes and ears off of the kingdom, out of the word of God, and onto the world, and then projecting our sense of rightness and righteousness upon the world. That will always get us off point. It will always be dissatisfying. It will always make us critical and cynical where God did not send us and keep us in the world that we might criticize and be cynical according to what we see in the world. That this, but the same grace from which he saved us, that he's going to minister that grace. Once again, we can't give what we don't have. But when we have received grace and forgiveness from God, that is what we do minister. And I thank God for making me and you a minister of grace and faith. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Things I Wish Someone Told Me About God. 
We hope you found this discussion stimulating and enjoyable, as well as uplifting. So much so that you'll tell a friend or two and listen in again. Pastor Eric and I will be back with the next episode shortly. Until then, may God bless and strengthen you in your walk with Him. On behalf of Pastor Eric, I'm Cody Willis, praying God's best for you.